Romans 15, verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. What is he beseeching them to do? That ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians. On our way over there, let's stop at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Look what it says. For all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now go with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25. Brethren, uh, pray for us. I want to preach on this subject tonight. Called into the ministry. And after reading those texts, I would guess you have an idea... What Paul is asking these churches and these Christians to do, and that is to pray to be involved in the ministry of intercession, interceding and praying for the saints. Now, I know just about every single Christian at some point gets charged up and says, what can I do? How can I help? What is my gift? God, how would you Use me, how could you use me in the ministry? And I think God very specifically wants to use every single Christian in this ministry. And every single Christian here is qualified to participate because it doesn't require any special talent or gift. You don't have to have a great voice to be involved in the ministry of intercession. You can whisper. You can speak in a low tone. You can speak off key in a high voice. It really doesn't matter simply all you need to do is open your mouth, open your heart, and make a decision. I want to get involved in the ministry of interceding for those around me. Now, we're about ready to go on our missions conference. But it doesn't matter that this is the month of October, and it doesn't matter that we're emphasizing missions and missionaries because this is a, a year-round ministry. This is 12 months out of the year, 52 weeks out of the year, where we should be on our knees daily praying for, and uh, it will help you to get to know the rest of the people in church. If you are praying for them by name, some of you haven't had the opportunity to meet the newer families in the church. Your opportunity can actually happen by simply picking up a list of the church people and saying, I'm going to intercede name by name, person by person for those in our church and get involved. And here's the amazing thing. The most powerful ministry of this church is the most neglected ministry. Our most powerful ministry is not a bus route. It's not a Sunday school class. It's not the club ministry or even the Bible Institute. The most powerful opportunity, ministry opportunity that we have is the ministry of prayer and you're qualified. The only thing you're lacking to meet that qualification would be possibly desire. But outside of that, we all can find some time. We all can put aside some time and say, I'm going to get involved in the ministry of intercession. Now, here's how we know it's the most powerful ministry. Let's go back to Exodus 32, our text from this past 
Sunday, look at the power that's involved in intercession. Israel had sinned. They're at Mount Sinai. Moses was up on the mount. Aaron made a golden calf. The people had corrupted themselves. The Bible says in verse 7, they turned aside quickly out of the way. God calls them in verse 9, a stiff-necked people. Look what God says in verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot. That's a bad spot to be in. You don't want to find yourself in a place where God's anger, God's wrath is waxing hot. And he said, I'm going to consume them. And Moses, let me just make you a great nation. Look what it says in verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God. And he convinced him, he said, God, for your honor and for your glory, don't destroy your people. Verse 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Did you know this, this is one of the few things that can actually change the heart and the mind and the direction of God? By and through intercession. And folks, tonight, for these few minutes, I want you to understand how important this is. And there are so many texts, so many passages through the Bible. We'll try to look at several of them. One of those is in Acts 12 when the church was gathered together and Peter was in prison and they began to intercede on his behalf. And although they didn't even do it with great faith, God acted upon the little faith that they had, freed Peter from prison. And when he showed up at the prayer meeting, they couldn't even believe that God had answered their prayer. But that's the power of of intercession. You know what I like about this ministry? The ministry of intercession. It's the one ministry that has no problems. Every other ministry that we start, I sit down with our staff and we talk about radio ministry and adding another outreach and college ministry and maybe a Korean ministry. And we're looking at all these opportunities and each one provides new problems, whether those are financial obstacles or the, lead, the, the need for more laborers or uh, people issues, leadership issues, uh, disagreements, conflicts of opinions and directions. But when it comes to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of intercession... It only provides solution and it doesn't provide me a single problem. It helps people love each other. You know what? It's extremely difficult to criticize and attack and gossip when you're participating in the ministry of intercession. When you are a critic, when you are a gossip, when you are negative, when you're attacking, it doesn't matter if it's the membership or the leadership of your local church. You have a heart issue because you're not interceding for them. You're not talking to God on their behalf. That's why you can talk about them. That's why you can believe garbage about them. Because you're not interceding for them. It's a solution. It'll help you get along. Listen, you have someone that you don't like. If you have a problem in the church, if you have a marital problem, I'll tell you how to solve it. Take up the ministry of intercession. It's problem-solving ministry. Now, 
quickly, let's talk about who should we pray for. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid, this is Samuel speaking, that I should sin against the Lord in what? And ceasing to pray for you. Now, the first group of people that we should intercede for are those that are under authority. That's a pretty large group. Actually, that's all of us. You ought to pray for every single person that's under authority, whether that's under your authority, your area of influence, your area of friendship. That includes, first and foremost, your family. Mothers, I can't tell you the power of prayer. And so many times I've had mothers come to me frustrated, upset, hurt, uh, worried, concerned about the direction of their children. Pastor, what do I do? And especially if that young man is in between 13 and 20, I've talked to him, I've preached to him, I've warned him. That's not what they need. They don't need you to set up a pulpit and point your finger. That's just going to make them angry. I'll tell you, your pulpit is on your knees. And when you get down on your knees, you can preach anything you want to them. Go kneel at the foot of their bed. Let them hear your concerns, but do it through prayer. But if they see their mom praying compassionately, fervently, persistently, that will break their heart. And here's what Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin and ceasing to pray. I wonder how often we have lifted each other up in prayer instead of looking at, criticizing, attacking, noticing the faults and the failures, a defect, a problem. You say, who should I mention that to? Mention it to no one. Mention it to God. God, I just want to let you know what kind of person he is. Try saying that. You know, God's going to say, I already know. Matter of fact, I know better than you do. And I know you're a worse scoundrel than they are. I doubt God's going to listen to that gossip without convicting your heart. The best thing you could do is say, if I have some time, and even if I don't, I will make some time to intercede on the behalf of God's children. Starting with Mountain Family, look what it says in Job chapter 1. The Bible speaks of Job, God-fearing man. Matter of fact, God himself called Job a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Look what it says in verse 5 about Job and his family. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. You can't do anything that's more effective for your family because as parents, as a father, as a mother, we have defects. And honestly, if you take a look at yourself and your characteristics and your flaws, and by the time that child is 13 and 14 and 15, you're starting to see your flaws not just revealed but magnified in your children, and it starts to take your breath away. 
And if you're not careful, you're say, you'll say, oh, God, what do I do? How in the world is this child going to overcome their DNA? How in the world are they going to get the victory when they see in me this problem, this defect, this fault? I'll tell you how they overcome that. Through the intercession of their parents. There are so many ways to effectively intercede. When we pray with our kids at night, we preach to them through our prayers. Oh, God, help them to be honest. Help them to be transparent. God, if they get in sin, when they get in sin, please reveal it immediately so they cannot create a habit of sin and develop that taste, that desire. God, would you help them with authority? God, if they're is a problem between them and a teacher. We'd like to know about it so we could take care of that. God, would you help their hearts to be clean and pure? They know. They have a father and a mother that are crying out to God. And the older they get, the more desperate my cry becomes because I understand my limitations, I understand my defects, and I understand without a miracle, without God's help, without God's blessing, without God's power, we're all in trouble. The best thing you can do is start by interceding for those under your authority. That's your family. That includes anyone under your air of influence. And if you go to Genesis chapter 18, we won't read the entire story tonight because we'll be reading so many other scripture. But you remember how God came, the angel of the Lord came, and said Sodom was going to be destroyed. God was going to rain down fire and brimstone and destroy the city. And immediately Abraham thinks about Lot, his nephew, and his family, and he becomes burdened and compassionate. Now, I don't believe his burden was for the city of Sodom, but for Lot and his family, he was torn up thinking about their death, their destruction, and he begins to intercede on their behalf, and he says, God, if there are 50 righteous people in that city, would you save them? Would you change your mind? God said, yes, I would. But Abram knew there weren't 50 people. And he begins to work his way down from 40 to 30 to 20. And he makes his all, way to, all the way down to 10 because he says between Lot and his daughters and their husbands, surely there are 10 righteous people in that city. And by the time he stopped praying, he was confident in the salvation of their souls. Now, were his prayers in vain? You say, well, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. He wasn't praying for the salvation of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was praying for the salvation of Lot and his family, and he accomplished what he was praying for. But you know what we have? An example of a man that said, I will not stop praying, I will not stop being persistent until I know my intercession on their behalf has been successful. Folks, if you have a mother or a dad or a son or a brother or a sister that is lost or distant from God, a prodigal son, the best thing you could do is get on your knees and say, I'm not going to stop praying. Because you can't change man's will. Man has a free will. But you can certainly change God's will. God, I need your help. God, would you hold back your wrath? God, would you not bring down your punishment? And I have seen kids 
in the world and God literally held back and delayed his punishment till at some point light broke through. Those kids sought grace and mercy and undoubtedly it was a result of praying parents because at some point God was saying, I've had enough. Can you imagine what would have happened to Israel if they hadn't had a praying prophet that was interceding on their behalf? Time after time, God said, that's it, I'm done. And Moses would fall down on his face and say, God, would you give those guys one more chance? Look what it says in Numbers chapter 12. Now, when we talk about praying for those that are under authority, here's where the challenge becomes greater. How many of you have ever felt burdened for someone, for their soul? Now, when it's a family member, normally that burden is greater but it was a hard case and you started praying and you made a determination, I will not stop praying and you fasted. Intercession often takes longer than seven days. Don't put a time limit on it. You better simply say, I'm going to pray as long as I need to pray until the spirit of God moves. And thankfully, we've seen hard cases, people that we thought would never respond to the gospel. One of the best families that we had in our church there, Pachuca, that lady got saved, the daughter had gotten saved. I remember when the, the daughter got saved in the service, she was literally halfway through the service. She was weeping and crying. She barely made it to the invitation. And as soon as I said, let's bow our heads to pray, I could even say, raise your hand or come forward. Or if you want to trust Christ your Savior, now is your time to respond. She was already running forward. We had a concrete floor in the auditorium at that time. She threw herself down on that concrete floor. Kim came forward and led her to Christ. But her dad was a hard-headed 45-year-old doctor who said, there is no God. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And one day at the kitchen counter... I had the opportunity to lead Margarito to Christ. I believe in the power of intercession. Some of you that have gone to Mexico met Rita, a lady in our church that had taught catechism for 20 years at the largest Catholic church in Pachuca, Hidalgo. And we led Rita to the Lord. And we started working on her husband. And her husband said, I've never seen a single ounce of God in that woman in my life. Whatever she has, I don't want. I said, well, she didn't have God. She just got God. We started discipling and witnessing and praying. Did you know it wasn't but a few weeks later? The intercession, the power of intercession broke through and Gregorio got born again. The problem is not with intercession. The problem is not with God. The problem is not a lack of power. Let's think about the actual time that we spent and the fervor and the persistency of our intercession. Okay, what's lacking? Our persistence or his power? Maybe we're not convinced. God's convinced. And we have dozens and dozens of Bible examples. Now, 
those are the ones that are easy to pray for because in our hearts, we don't want any of our closest kin or relatives or friends to die and go to a Christless eternity, to die and burn forever in the torments of hell. But when we're talking about praying for everyone under our area of authority and influence, it includes another group. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 12. How many of you remember the story? Miriam and Aaron in verse 1 spake against Moses, his own brother and sister, his assistants. Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, and they said, look what their, their comments were in verse 2. Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? So what were their two complaints? We don't like his wife, and we don't like the fact that he says he has a word from God. Now, Moses was very meek. So what did Moses do? Nothing. Well, Moses, I think you ought to take care of it. Moses said, let God take care of it. That is not a place you want to be in, criticizing authority and then having God take care of it. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, unto Aaron and Miriam, Come out, ye three, into the tabernacle of the congregation. The three came out. Look what he said in verse 6. He said, Hear now my words, that there be a prophet among you. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him. In a vision will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. And Miriam and Aaron said, Look ye there, that's what we said. God said, Hold on for a second. Let me finish my statement. With him I will speak mouth to mouth. Not by visions, not by dreams. I'll actually speak to him mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed, the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And look what happens. Miriam became what? Now, the worst disease that you could get in that day and age was leprosy. Now, what does Moses do? Verse 13, Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. Now, when it comes to intercession, it's not just family. It's not just friends. It's not just the lost. It's not just unsaved relatives. But it's those under your authority are not submitted to your authority. They need your intercession. Here's what we want to do. Whether that's at work in a job situation or that's in a class situation, whether that's in a junior church or a club ministry or as a pastor, an assistant pastor, a college director or a teen leader, maybe that's a, as a father or mother with a child, at some point you will deal with a rebel under your authority and you know what God commands you to do? You don't need to call down lightning from heaven. Let God deal with it. 
you get down on your knees and intercede for them. And here's what Moses did. We see him repeatedly when he could have been angry and frustrated and mad and hateful and hurtful. Here's how you can keep your heart right, not just with God, but with that person who is causing you a headache and a pain and a heartache. If you'd get down on your knees and pray for them, your heart would change and God would help you out. And you might be surprised what God does with that person. Intercede for them. Go to chapter 14, just a few pages past that. That doesn't just include those that challenge your authority. That actually includes those who are suffering the consequences of their rebellion for disobeying your authority. Now, here's what happens in life. We may intercede on the behalf of someone, but when you're dealing with an employee or you're dealing with someone who has hurt you, if you're dealing with someone who's betrayed you or stabbed you in the back or spoken lies about you, you say, how can I retaliate? Retaliate in a biblical fashion. Get down on your knees and pray for them. Look what happens Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make thee a greater nation and a mightier than they. Listen, it's amazing that Moses never caved when God said, let me just wipe them off the face of the earth. I'll make you the father of this great nation. Now, the first time I could see him saying, no, God, don't do that. The second time, no, God, be patient. Turn your wrath, turn your anger. And the third time and the fourth time. But listen, after a while, you'd think at some point, in a moment of frustration, Moses himself would have said, you know what, God, yeah, it's a good idea. Can you go ahead and do that for me? Look what he says in verse 19. Moses starts praying once again interceding on behalf of the children of Israel. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. I love how Moses talks to God. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. God, listen, if you've already forgiven them this many times, you can surely do it one more time. I mean, it has been worse. You did have more reason to kill them six months ago than you did right now. How about if you hold off on your wrath? Once again, in verse 20, the Lord said, I have pardoned. Look what it says. Because I'm ready to pardon. What did he say? I have pardoned according to thy word. Here's what's amazing. They wanted to get rid of that leader and what they didn't know. If they would have gotten rid of Moses, it would have been the death of every single one of them. Because that man was constantly on his face. He was constantly on his knees. And even at their worst, and even in those moments when God was fed up, it was Moses who was saying, oh God, be patient one more time. And here's what you should do. You say, well, you know what? They're suffering the consequence of their poor decision. They're suffering the consequence of their rebellion. That's not a time to stop interceding for them. It's time to say, God... I know what they did. I know they rebelled. I know how they attacked the leadership. I know they broke your word. 
I know they complained. I know that, and I know there's a consequence, and I know biblically they have to pay the consequence, but God, would you do me a favor? Would you lessen the consequence and change their heart and give me an opportunity one more time to pick them up, brush them off, and point them in the right direction? Be careful because it's easy, especially if it's not someone close to you, if it's not a family member, it's easy to see someone down and suffering the consequence of their rebellion and to walk by. That's not what you are supposed to do. You should say, you know what? Yes, there's a consequence. And yes, they're paying for their rebellion. But I'm still going to intercede on their behalf that God would have mercy and that they would repent and put themselves and their life back together before it's too late. Now, wait a minute. It gets even more difficult. Go to Matthew chapter 5 because this group even includes your enemies. Intercession. I'll get in that ministry. I'm going to get involved. Give me the list. Well, actually, I'm going to make a church list, and then you add to that list your enemies. Because that's what God commands us to do, Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and what? Pray, intercede for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 46, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? You know who we pray for? Normally we intercede on the behalf of those that we love the most. Church people, I have a church list. I've had it since I've been here. I pray for you. I pray for your children. Pray for your marriages. Pray for you in the midst of struggles and problems. I even pray for those that have left. That list that I carry around with me in my Bible and in my briefcase and on my computer, that is prayed for every single day. I'm praying for your kids. Pray for your babies. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your future. Now let me ask you this. Is this command to intercede specifically given to the pastor? Is this a church-wide responsibility or an individual responsibility? Is this something that solely hangs upon the head and the shoulders of the leaders? Now I do believe the leadership has a larger responsibility to intercede on behalf of those that are under their authority. But this is a shared responsibility by the entire church. This is a ministry that God doesn't say you and you. This is one that God spreads out to the entire congregation and says, you have a brother, you have a sister, you have children, you have parents. Can you imagine the peace and the harmony and the love that would be in a church if everybody in the church was praying for everybody in the church? Boy, you want to talk about solving all the church-wide problems. Boy, we would solve every issue. There are two things that would solve church problems. You want to eliminate animosity and conflict and strife? Two things. Great peace have they which love thy law. And what's the result? Nothing shall offend them. So we have Christians that run around easily offended, and God said the cure for that is get in this book and love God's word, and you'll stop being so sensitive. 
So we have two tremendous solutions here that would unify us in a way that super glue couldn't accomplish. It would create love and harmony. How in the world could a church be unified? God says you love my word, you won't be offended. And if you intercede for each other, you can't live offended. You won't live angry. You won't live frustrated. Compassion will start to blossom in that heart. You'll say, you know what? I don't really have an enemy because you don't want to have to pray for him. <laughs> First Timothy 2.2. So don't only intercede for those that are under your area of authority, but intercede for those in authority, look what it says. I exhort therefore the first of all, look what it says, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for who? For all men, for kings, and look what it says, for all that are in authority. So number one, we should be interceding for all those that are under authority. That's a pretty large crew. Now let's include everyone else for those that are in authority. Now, you know what cures most of life's problems? Ladies, what do I do with my husband? He's in a place of authority. Pray for him. I want to strangle him. I can't handle anymore. This man is nuts. Yes, I'm in total agreement. What do I do? Pray. Well, is there something more powerful? No. Do you think I could do something that's more effective than God? Not a chance. Well, he's not wise. He's not making good decisions. He's not a spiritual leader. Yes, yes, and yes. So what's the solution? Pray. God says intercede for all of those who are in authority. What do I do with my leader? What do I do with my pastor? Pray for him intercede for them. There's no command in all the Bible to criticize them, analyze them, attack them, talk bad about them, gossip when they make a mistake. In one verse. Pray for all that are in authority. One last text and we'll be done. First Kings chapter 3. Now, there's one more way that you can intercede on people's behalf, you can pray for special wisdom in the authority that God has given you. And you know what you're doing? You're interceding for those under your authority. Did you realize that you actually may not be a perfect leader? And you know what? Someone's had to put up with that for a long time. <laughs> you know what you got to do? Intercede on their behalf and say, God... I have three kids and a poor wife, and bless their hearts, I've got 350 people in a congregation that has to put up with imperfect leadership, imperfect decisions, imperfect in fulfilling my responsibilities, imperfect in my preaching, imperfect in everything I do. So you say, how do I intercede? Do what Solomon did in 1 Kings chapter 3. Look what it says in verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, thou hast shown to thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth. 
Look what it says in verse 7. And now, Lord thy God, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I think all of us would have to say the same thing. I look at myself and the decisions, the responsibilities, say, God, I don't have the wisdom or the knowledge or the experience to lead these people. Did you know that I've had to raise teenagers without ever having the experience of raising teenagers? When we had babies, we never had babies before. And we said, oh, God, help us. We are but children when it comes to this responsibility. And he said, I know not how to go out or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And look what God did. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing God said to him, because thou hast not asked, or excuse me, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Let me ask you tonight. We have a great solution. Did you know a problem without a solution is a complaint? Most of us don't have problems. We have complaints. And we love to drag that thing out for 100 years. Complaints get a whole lot more sympathy than solutions. Now, God's given us a solution to this problem. He said, you have people under you. You have people over you. You need wisdom. You need direction. You need patience. You need forgiveness. What do I do? You know what you do? You do what I do because you don't have a great memory. If I sat you down and told you to list all the people that come to church, there's no way in this world anybody in here could do it. That's why you have a prayer list. Because you say, I want to intercede. And if you can't do it daily for every single per person in the church, go down five at a time, five families at a time, or five people at a time, and intercede specifically in their behalf. Listen, all of us have children. All of us have mates. All of us have responsibilities. Do you want to teach the kindergarten class without someone interceding for you? The health issues and the aches and the pains. If you could follow Brother Sullivan around. How many of you know Brother Sullivan designed the light rail train? Uh, system that's here in Austin. Do you know this man right here did that? man that's not barely healthy enough at days to even drive to work? Design roads and bridges and super highways. He never says a word. Although he is a genius, he has a daughter <laughs> that's not. So intercede for this man. Tony walks into these prisons almost every day of the week. He's down on the streets. He's ministering to people on every single level. How do you do that without prayer? How do you work with all the teenagers and all the problems and all the temptations in society unless we are interceding? Hey, man, folks, what would happen 
If we'd stop looking around and noticing problems and saying, there's someone that doesn't need talked about. They don't need criticized. You know what they need? They need love and intercession. What if you said, listen, tonight you can make a commitment. I can intercede a minimum of 10 minutes a day. I can grab one of those lists and I can go name by name and child by child and adult by adult, marriage by marriage, leader by leader and pray for everyone in my church at least once a week. What if you made this commitment tonight? I'm through saying anything bad about anybody for any reason. What if you just made that commitment and say, anytime I have a frustration, anytime I have a complaint, I'm just going to get my list of people out and just start praying for them. And if I'm really, really mad, I'm going to put them on my enemy list. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to pray for them. We could revolutionize this church. We could fill this pew with newly saved converts. We all said. I will not live day after day and week after week in my own little world with my own little complaints. I'm going to move beyond that. I'm going to take the next step as a Christian. I'm going to unify. And I do that. Not through attacking. Not through criticizing. Not through complaining. Not through gossiping. What Samuel saying? God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you.